Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show. Just a quick note about today's episode. As you will soon notice, the audio recording is a little bit different than normal. It was inadvertent as we had a bit of a technical issue when we recorded. While you can still hear me and Link just fine on the recording, it does sound a bit different than usual. Hopefully, it does not get in the way of enjoying the show. So, with that being said, here's the latest episode of the Preds Nashcast. Hello and welcome to the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, a.k.a. the Honky Talk Talkin' Hockey Talk podcast. Coming to you live from Smashville, I'm your host, Alex Darty with A to Z Sports Nashville. I am here with my co-host, Chris Link. We have a wonderful show, lots to talk about, even though the Predators have not been doing anything last week because, well, they didn't have any games. Um, but before we get going, this show is brought to you by Nash House Southern Spoon and Saloon. Make Nash House your pregame and postgame destination for all Preds home games. It's a wonderful place. We're also brought to you by Tennessee Tickets, TennesseeTickets.com, zero hidden fees, unlike all of those other websites. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about those two sponsors later on, but let's go ahead and get the show started. Link is Honky Talk Talking Hockey Talk. The worst name that you could imagine for a podcast? I mean, it's causing me the most pain. <laughs> Let's see it again. I'm still not sure what you're saying. Honky talk. Honky talk. Talking ho- hockey talk. Talk talking hockey talk. I don't even really know what I was saying there. I think I was. I think it was late. When I, I, uh, I think you might have had an aneurysm in the process. <laughs> I was trying to put honky talk tonk in there, but honky tonk. I didn't want to just. Okay, it, it, it doesn't. At least you're question. not trying to say like hockey tonk. I think I thought about that. I think you thought it. But I knew you would hate it. So well, I, didn't I know that. Didn't the Predators do that a few years ago? They had like a they'd set up like hockey tongs as like a thing. They probably did. Like an all star game thing or something like that. I mean, if they haven't, they're going to do it at some point. It's the year of the fan. Yeah, it's sort of like the Rule 34 of the Predators. If it's Crusher Music and it's in Nashville, it's it's going to. It's going to it's going to like at some point merge. It absolutely will. Uh, speaking of merging, the Predators are merging with losing streaks. Uh, <laughs> The team is currently on their bye week uh, slash all-star break, but um, so no on-ice action, but there's still plenty to talk about with this team because they are just not in a good place still. Um, so we're going to talk about today, the main sort of focus of today's show is going to be, are the Preds buyers or sellers at the deadline? We each kind of have an inkling on, on where we feel the team is, but we're going to kind of, we're just going to flesh that out a little bit. Um we are also going to address plenty more on today's show. We've got the five on five. We're going to talk about uh, the dumbest thing in hockey right now and maybe even say one nice thing about the Predators. Who knows? Um, but let's back up a little bit. The Predators, the Predators had three games before the bye week, and they went 1-2-0. and oh. They lost to the Oilers and the Ducks, and they beat the Sabres. What did you say the Predators need to do that 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 week? I, I believe like I said the Predators needed to do no worse than five out of six points and not – Fifth point would have, would be acceptable against either the Ducks or the Sabers. Yeah, uh, the Oilers are really the team they have to catch and beat mm-hmm. to get a, to really hold on to a wild card spot. They didn't do that. They lost. The Ducks are one of the worst teams in the NHL. Lost to them again. I think they lost the season series yeah. to the Ducks they already. Did. Yeah, two to one. Um, and then the Sabers they pick up the win in a somewhat uninspiring game um but it just sort of existed and it was fine and the predators scored two goals and that's fine yeah the 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 sabers game was the uninspiring is perfect because the ryan johansson ryan johansson scored but he scored in like a really fluky way and then craig smith got a power play goal that was 
to be honest, like the, the power play had been due and there was really nothing. I mean, the, uh, the only good thing about that game was Pecorino played pretty well. 30 saves and a 31 shot uh, facing 31 shots. Well, also, I think that was the it, it's been a week. So that was the game. The Predators wore their winter classic jerseys at home. You know, I looking at it on a on a mannequin or on a shelf, I'm kind of meh about the jerseys. They don't offend me. I don't think they're bad. I think that they achieve exactly what they set out to achieve. But on the ice, they look sharp. They I really do look sharp yeah. on the ice uh, with, with the whole ensemble. So that was kind of nice to see. Well, you've actually spoiled one of my five-on-five five questions from later. For well, later. then you're going to have to think think fast. <laughs> yeah, we're shorthanded now. I've only got four questions. Uh, no, I'll, I'll throw it in there. It shouldn't be that bad. But the... the uh, you know, my overall impressions, uh, you know, it, it, obviously it's hard when you've got a week full of nothing this past week, but still inconsistent offensively, uh, still way below average goaltending, the, the, the Sabres game aside from Rene. Um, I mean, I was, I was just looking at the last five games with Rene and, and Soros. Each one has like one or two pretty good games and then three bad ones. And it's just, um, you know, we know it's not all about the goaltending, but it's been the most consistent struggle for the, the Predators this whole season. Um, things are maybe improving defensively, but, you know, when you lose 4-2 to the Ducks who just who can't score goals and you give up four goals to them, that's, that's just bad. I, I, I wish there was something we could sit here and explain it. It just seems to be the same thing of... of the team feeling behind or feeling down themselves and not reacting well and uh, making very, very to us, at least to people watching like apparent mental mistakes uh, where they just go for the wrong pass at the wrong time. Or, or honestly, it's a lot like me watching a Tottenham game where I'm, I'm just like, why, why do you keep passing back into congested areas like yeah. why would you do that just just get it out of like get out of danger it's like it's the same thing i can't yeah. like if one if they both wore blue like the predators were still in navy blue i wouldn't know what i was watching the the crazy part is now, now what you're seeing so i think that there was some momentum when the when heinz first got on board uh with the sort of press to the middle of the ice not just shooting from the outside consider you know committing to getting to the middle of the ice mm-hmm. but it's almost like I, I, maybe it's maybe it's unfair to say that Laviolette had this much of a hold on them, but doesn't it feel a little bit like some of those old habits of getting into dangerous areas and then just passing back to the point? Is is we're seeing that now again? Like we're seeing that happen. I mean, there were times when players had shots wide open in the in the shot, and maybe it wouldn't have gone in, but at least it would have been a high danger chance, and we're we're passing out of it. Yeah, uh, I, I think, and that's part of the issue with that. We talk about the mental aspect of the game and, and how the team seems to be struggling with that. They just seem to lack confidence in a lot of areas. I think that's what we're witnessing. They get pressed, they get uncertain, and they fall back on the habits they built up in that muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's that's what we're kind of hoping to see out of, on the other side of the, the bye week that we're just getting to the end of, is we come to the, we come out the end and we see the Predators really implementing Heinz's system in a way that means they're not falling back on the, the old habits, the things that were getting them into trouble for the first half of the season. Right. So uh, the playoff push is right around the corner. I mean, if you want to call it that. For the Predators, they are they have been peaking around the corner for a few weeks, <laughs> given how they've been performing. Uh, just to reset that for you, there are 35 games left, and the Preds currently have 51 points. Now, the, the sort of watermark is 90 points, right? I mean, if you don't get 90 points, you have no chance. And really this year, it's going to be like 94, maybe yeah, it's 95. Usually, I, I would think 
it's a rough year in NHL where 90 points gets you yeah. in. Like 94 is really, and there's some there's some real bottom dweller teams this year. The teams just pick apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you're going to have to be in those mid 90s. I think it's going to be 94, yeah, 95, 96. So so let's do the math. That's that's 44 points or so. So let's say 44, 45 points in 35 games. Well, the current pace of the Predators is not get. That's not going to. They're not going to get there. That, they're not going to. They're not on pace to get. 45 points or so in 35 games. They're going to have to go on like a pretty substantial winning streak, probably a couple of them. Um, but on that note, let's go ahead and talk about the main, our sort of our main focus tonight. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about uh, Nash House Southern Spoon and Saloon. So if you want a great place to go to for Preds games that isn't just overrun by honky tonks, speaking of honky tonks, uh, tourists, but also has great food, Go to Nash House. It's on 8th Avenue, the same building as the Cambria Hotel. You can park up to two hours for free. Go to the Nash House, grab some food, get some drinks, hang out with your fellow Preds fans before the game. Go to the game. Then after the game, come on back to Nash House to celebrate the win with your friends in gold. Nash House Southern Spoon and Saloon on 8th Avenue. Go check it out. So the the main focus as we turn towards February and the end the the trade deadline the NHL trade deadline is uh, I should probably have the date but it's the end of February uh, I'll look it up while you're giving your take is should the Preds be buyers or sellers and this is never I mean I don't think there's there's been quite a divide for this team I mean they've been buyers for for years now right I mean since they started making the playoffs with Laviolette they've been buyers I don't I don't know if with the way Coyle has always run the team, if the if the Predators have been sellers, like proper sellers, since the big fire sale back in was it 06, 05, 06. Oh, you go back that far? I don't really think they've been full on sellers because they've been they've That's been true. the thing that has marked the Predators for most of their history is that they can make the playoffs. They did never really made a mark until the Lafayette era but they could make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so when you're making the playoffs, you're never really a seller if you're doing that consistently. And if you barely miss it, you know, you don't necessarily want to blow things up. You want to improve the team. Right. So the way that Boyle's managed everything has kept them from really having to sell off. I mean, we've really never seen a bottom dweller predators team. We've seen some weak ones, mm-hmm. but they were like, okay, we just need to wait. We just need to give this guy a year of experience. We need to jump up, you know, whatever. Uh, so this is, venturing towards uncharted territory. So the, the trade deadline is February 24th. I just pulled it up. That's a Monday. So less than a month. Are the Predators, Link, buyers or sellers? I'm going to have you go first, and then I'm going to give my take. So I don't want everyone to be bored because I think everyone could guess what it's kind of, of us would say. It's kind of our, that's kind of our idea. We don't but, want to bore But I, I think that there is still a case – for the Predators to be buyers at the trade deadline. What? Yeah, well, I had to say, I really was thinking about this um, just all weekend and then sat down really today just kind of to work through the thoughts I've been having, kind of jotting down on paper. And, you know, we talk about how tough it is to make, how to make up the points, but there's a few things we know about this Predators team. We know that even if there's inconsistency in the forwards, we know there's a ton of talent to be unlocked there. Yeah. There's also guys like Colin Blackwell who are outperforming expectations. There's Jakob Trenin who is, is, and has proven he belongs in an NHL team and can probably take on more responsibility than he's been given. Yeah. Uh, 
Forsberg, Arvidsson, Smith, Granlin. I mean, these are guys who have been working hard all year. You know, Granlin being like the poor whipping boy of, of the forward lines, but despite the fact that he keeps he, he forms. Uh, he gets things done. He's just not sounding people. His production is bad. His performance is underlying. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe within the Heinz system, he started once it really gets rolling, he he reappears. Uh, you once Ellis comes back, you still have a strong top three defenseman. Fabro is is competent and growing in his rookie season, uh, and and you never know when Rene and Saros kind of become themselves again. If I, you know, I, I looked at the numbers. So in January, and this is a very small number of games, so bear with me. Uh, Rena and Stars have much better numbers. Like it, this is all strength numbers. Um, in the six games Rene played, he's at uh, a nine one four, which is like an average number, very reasonable. And Saros is at a nine two two, which is yeah, which is really, which, but that's in three games. Yeah. So when I think one of those was a shutout. So. It exists that the goaltending will get back to average and give the team a more consistent chance to win night in and night out. Um, and that takes some tweaks, you know, improving the, the penalty kill, um, taking yeah. fewer penalties. Yeah. Because uh, that's going to help with Rene, who's been having just a dreadful penalty kill season this year. Um, so, you know, I think there is room for goaltending to turn around and give a strong foundation for the team. Um I also think that, that there's movable assets. I mean, we, I listed off a lot of names earlier, but if you're thinking, okay, we need to move assets that are surplus or potentially surplus to, to shore up things, maybe get a, a, a really what they need is a, is a good second pairing defenseman. Yeah. So you can either move Ellis down and, you know, move Ellis and Ekholm back together and have someone who can skate with the OC, someone who's capable of being up there um, or, you know, keep the Ellis Yost, the LCOC pairing and find someone for at home. You, know, you just need to tweak that something yeah. somewhat. Um, there may even, you know, you might even put a, put a package together for a rental score if you have the right, you know, assets to move. It's tough to say. You have to see how desperate people are to move contracts. But like at the top of the bin, you've got guys like Braylon Smith, Benino Turris. Those are four potentially attractive and potentially surplus forwards the Predators have. Granlin and Smith, their contracts run out at the end of the season. I do. Benino is still has like the shine on him from his ridiculous run starting the season. And there's people there. There are plenty of centers on the team. Uh-huh. And then you know, Turris. I like the guy. I like his play. There's just I, I feel like he just like they just need to let him go. It's and if they can, goods. I think if, if some, they can find someone to take the contract, mm-hmm. it's going to help Turris, and I think it could help the team. I mean, yeah. Turris is like a really good piece, and it's like we'll trade you a good piece for a really good piece. And if you can find someone with like maybe a little bit of an overpaid defenseman yeah. and just swap big contracts, yeah, you can make it work somehow. Um, and then like I mean, honestly, like Watson is totally surplus now, but especially with Trenton and Blackwell, could, could you find someone who's like oh? He's a big guy. He puts up a weird number of goals for how bad he is. Like, <laughs> yeah, we need that. Like, round it out. And even if you can move, like, throw in, like, Tenorti or Weber or Irwin, like, guys who may, like, oh, yeah, we could use, like, it's a, these are usable players, even though they're not usable. Yeah, right. Um, you know, there, there, are, there are things that can be moved. So I even have two more points. I mean, I'm going to lay this Oh, off. go ahead. Yeah, you're good. So the other thing is that uh, – Making the playoffs, like one thing I've heard is that oh, it doesn't matter if the Predators make the playoffs. They're struggling so much. They make the playoffs. They're just going to bomb out. 
All you need to do is make the playoffs. Once you do that, it's basically a reset. Doesn't matter how bad any of your players or any of your goalies or anything was for the prior 82 games. And we've None of it. that matters. We've seen it. I mean, when the Predators won their Stanley Cup run, they weren't they you know they weren't like the grandest team. They were having their struggles. Uh, so they just you know making the playoffs is enough. Uh, and then we have to be realistic that the window for the Predators is closing. I mean, the, it's closing. Like, why would you know if, if the window too. is closing? You cannot afford to be a seller because selling right now is not necessarily going to put the team in a better position for the future. Because right. if you know you're going to need to do a full rebuild mm-hmm. in three to five years at the long, like five makes me like a little nervous. Three, they may have to be looking to rebuild. Mm-hmm. You need to be holding on to whatever assets you can to sh- make that that rebuild as small as possible. Um but at the same time, you know, guys like Smith, guys like Graham aren't going to be around for the rebuild. Right. So anyone who you're like, we, you know, we know there's a rebuild coming, like, let's get everything. Let's just move out anything that is remotely surplus, no matter how valuable a player they are, bring in whatever pieces we think are going to stabilize the areas that are weak and let's press forward. Yeah. Like, let's just turn into it. And then if we have to blow things up in a couple of years, We'll blow things up and we'll just start collecting trade. Uh, we'll just start collecting draft picks again, right? Because that's what the predators are missing. I, I, I everything you said is uh, makes so much sense. And there's there's a couple points I want to hit on. The the first one is uh, the last two names that you just mentioned were um, Craig Smith and Mikhail Granlund. If the predators were, uh, why I think that they will probably be soft sellers at this deadline, at least at first, uh, maybe even maybe even hard sellers by the time it actually rolls around is those two players are the players you could part with the most that you're going to basically lose in the, in the free agent market. I mean, assuming that you, even if you sign just one of them, you're going to end up probably overpaying. Uh, so if you let them both walk, you're letting two, two really good, you know, middle-aged uh, hockey players, maybe Craig Smith's, Craig Smith's 30, but walk that you could still put a decent team on the ice right now. If you sold them, if you sold them on February 10th, to the, I don't know, Islanders, mm-hmm. just pulling out a team. You sold them to the to the Islanders. You got some draft picks. You got some prospects. The Predators could still probably make the playoffs without one or two of those two players. Well, I mean, I really think they could. Yeah, but then the, new, the, the difference is being like, it's it's what you do with them. Because if you're the Predators are a seller, you're moving assets to bring in long-term solutions. Like, yeah. you're moving those guys to get draft picks and prospects. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you have to move those guys – and bring in now solutions. Active players. You now. have to bring. Yeah. yeah, you have to. So we're yeah. both taught, like. So if your like perspective is where predators are a selling team, mm-hmm. we're moving the same players as as fantasy GMs, but very different pieces are coming back. That's true. Yeah, no, you're you right. Know, if you're if right. the return on on if you put together a package and you send out a whole bunch and you bring back like you know a 29 year old puck moving defenseman like that's a victory in a, in and, a buyer market and every day and actually i have a 25 year old puck moving defenseman that i think would be perfect i'll mention him in a second but um yeah you, you better not be teasing me no again. i'm not i'm gonna i'm gonna give it to you in just a second but I, what i was gonna say was um every single day that goes by that shift of what you're describing of do you get an active player that contribute now or do you just get pro, uh, picks and prospects every single day that that goes up and down and depending on the prospect i mean Tomorrow night's game against the Maple Leafs, it's going to shift one of those ways, right? Because if they lose, they've just lost another two points. They're closer to being all-out sellers. 
then they're not worried about getting a, a player back in return they can use now. They're worried about just reloading. I mean, it's the reality of the situation they are in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the player I was going to mention, by the way, is um, and we saw him Saturday night in Bridgestone Arena, Brandon Montour. Oh, interesting. Very good player. He's been rumored in, in, in trade trade rumors like recently. Not not anything major rumor, but I think that they're shopping him. He's a pending RFA. Uh, they could obviously get something for him. They acquired him from Anaheim for a first a conditional first round pick uh, a couple years ago. He hasn't really done much to be better than that. So I think they could get him for like a pick. I think they could if they they've got some second round picks to to spend. They could they could get a if they could convince Buffalo to give them Brandon Montour for a second round pick. And then they're probably convinced themselves they could re-sign Montour as, a, as an RFA. You know, it, it's a little odd when it's an RFA situation, but that's just a name that I saw. And he's he's a good he's a good defenseman. And the Predators do need to figure out what their defense looks like over the next couple of years. Yeah. There are some big questions in my Very mind. Very big questions. Yeah, I agree. Um, so another thing you said is the once Ellis comes back, this – this is the big mystery, right? I mean, we don't know how long he's going to be gone. We have no idea. Uh, it is undetermined at this point. It could be the rest of the season. It, it could be next yeah, year before he's you're back. Right. And that is that. That to me is why I think that they are leaning towards selling right now. They're not in a contractual position, uh, or I'm sorry, in a in a realistic hockey position to really do anything other than sell right now. If they if they went and bought someone at the deadline that that you know made them a better team now would. I don't think the cost would be worth it because all of a sudden they, they're looking at absolutely no one in their pipeline, no picks left. I think it would be a bad decision. But um, it's just so crazy the way that the every single day, every single game, these next half to, or dozen games or so before February 24th are just so massive. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. And if I put my money down on a player that's going to get traded first, and I'm, I'm kind of working on an article right now for my, my weekly column, I, I mean, if I put – all my money on one player, it's going to be Mikhail Granlin that gets traded. I think he's the one that is the most odd odd man out. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was multiple 60-point-per-season player, and now he's, like, sitting on 16 yeah. points in 41 games. I, I, I can imagine that there's got to be a few teams out there who are like, we can like we can get him for cheap, we can buy low. Exactly. And if he comes, if he, if he does what he's been doing, you get an asset. Mm-hmm. If he does what he did in Minnesota – you have something of real value that you paid very little for. Yeah. Uh, so he's, it's unfortunate that it, it, the Predators aren't going to get a lot in return, but it probably is the most attractive piece. I think, you know, Benino is another like dark horse attractive piece. Yeah, yeah. Even though he hasn't been like hitting the same heights. People but, like, love getting them some, some, some Stanley Cup winning centers that have done it before, you know? They yeah. love getting that. They, they like getting those guys. I don't know. Are there any GMs in the league who love acquiring Americans as much as David Poyle? <laughs> like, I honestly don't know, because Poyle loves an American player. <laughs> That's true. Uh, because, will he sell one, though? He, he sold David Leguan for, for yeah, a good piece. That's David Leguan. David yeah. Leguan is, is, is a mystery. Yeah. Crazy question. All right, since we're talking about buyers and sellers, and we'll we'll, okay. uh, we'll finish we'll finish on this, and then we'll get to the the real questions. Uh, <laughs> could you see a scenario in which they go out and buy a goaltender? Oh wow! Um, in the history of the Preds, I don't think they've ever gone goalie shopping, have they? I mean, they've only ever Dubnik. Um, okay, they, yeah. They, they picked up Dubnik, and he had two bad games, and, and they, they like traded. kicked him out the door, and then he like started playing yeah. normally, and like. Oh no! A goaltender had two bad games. A black eye on the history of the Predators. Yeah, but I mean, well, 
I never really cared for Dubnik, the, the personality, so I don't really miss him from that capacity, but he's been very effective outside of Nashville yeah. from his, like, and, and, and during his really strong run with Minnesota, Rene was equally yeah. as good. So the, the Predators already spend too much money in goaltending uh, as it is, mm-hmm. so I, I don't think it makes any sense. I, I, I think the most realistic thing is you wait for that uh, – you're basically waiting for the Admirals to eat to see if they bounce from the playoffs or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been so effective. Like, you know, if you can pull up Ingram as a, like a black ace at some point. Yeah. Connor Ingram is a, a really um, solid prospect with Milwaukee right now. And he's been playing really well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all I could think of, but he's, he's a pretty young guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing, the thing I want to, I should remind people of is if you look it up, like Hecka didn't become the starter for Nashville until I think his twenties when he was age twenty six. I was I was gonna guess twenty five. Yeah, um, it was, was twenty six. Yeah, and Soros is only twenty four. Yeah, twenty three, twenty four. Um, so goaltenders in any sport take a while to develop. They really do. They develop more slowly than other roles. So, you know, there's we don't know how soon Ingram will be ready. We also know we still aren't sure if if Soros will come true or not. Uh, to his potential, he needs to learn how to control a rebound. Um, that's a big thing. I mean, over the, do I have that number in front of me still? Let me see. Yeah, he, he, uh, he, yeah. He, this is interesting. So this is I, I still have the numbers when I looked at the the January games of the goaltenders in six games. Uh, so six, yeah, Pekka played six games. He had uh, at, at all strengths, you know, five 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 PK everything had eleven rebound t- attempts against. So he gave up 11 rebounds where, where a shot was taken by the other team. Wow. Um, Soros, in half the number of games, gave up 12. Oh, my God. He gave up one more in half the amount of games. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like Soros has huge rebound issues. He's yeah. amazing with positioning and reading the play and athleticism. He, he has huge rebound control issues. And if uh, – you know, the, the national goaltending coach can't fix them, then they should find a goaltending coach because it's yeah. probably easier. To, I don't know which is harder to find uh, young goal, you know, talented young goaltenders or goaltending coaches. <laughs> um, but if they could find a way to get Mitch Korn back, I don't know. That'd be probably the best option. Right. So, uh, yeah, it, like I said, it was a crazy question. <laughs> Excuse me. It's not going to happen, obviously, but um, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But um, while we're uh, talking about questions, so I, let's just let's put the wraps on that real quick. You have given a very good case for them to be sort of soft buyers. I'm thinking them more as soft sellers, but every single day that goes by it could could ramp up in either direction. And if they, let's say they go on a six game winning streak and they get 12 points on the, in the standings, and all of a sudden they're in a wild card spot, they're buyers for they, sure. Yeah, they could they could you know pull the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I have I've really put together a case for for being buyers. It's not I think the smartest long-term decision for the club. I think it, it would be a very short-term, somewhat short-sighted movement. Um, but you can always... But, but it you depends know what your goals are. You if, can, if your goal is to, like, we have a limited amount of time, we have to achieve X, Y, and Z, then, you know, that's... It depends what's going on in the, in the front office and, and what the expectations are. And you can revisit all of your decisions in the, in the summer. I mean, you... you you, you tickle your leverage a little bit, but you can always revisit these things in the summer and, and say, you know what, we that move didn't work. Uh, I mean, they do that all the time. They'll get last, look at last summer. They go get Brian Boyle and Wayne Simmons, and it doesn't work at all. And they're like, well, boy, now we got to retool everything. 
Um, all right, so let's go ahead and move to the everyone's favorite segment, the five on five. The five on five is brought to you by Tennessee Tickets, TennesseeTickets.com, zero hidden fees, unlike all those other websites, tickets to Preds, Titans, home and away games, college sports, all the concerts you could want. Use promo code AZ10. That will save you another $10 off your already savings by using Tennessee Tickets. Don't go use Ticketmaster to get screwed on ticket prices. Use Tennessee Tickets. It's much better. Okay, five questions. You haven't seen these. Let's see how you do. Because I guessed one by accident. You did guess one by accident. I'm not going to read that one first. But the first one is, which hockey player, active or not active, do you hate the most? Oh, see, this is... This is this is tricky. Um, Do you want to uh, get one of each, active and or, or previous? Well, I mean, because the, the reason it's tricky is because you know some of them, uh, you know, have have kind of reclaimed themselves in retirement. To some uh, degree. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, and but like, there's some that just I like. I you, you're never gonna get me to like Patrick Kane. Like, I don't care if he won the the US men's team Olympic gold, mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't care. Um it's just always on that on I that just I'm never gonna like I will say nothing about Patrick King before I say anything nice about him. And that's like fair. that's where I, I, I didn't stop. Like I, there's something about him I just don't like. Right. Um, it, Jimmy Vesey's kind of makes me feel the same way, um, <laughs> even though he hasn't done anything yet. Like at least like Kane has been Kane. So is there any, are there any um, inactive players that, that, you know, either from your youth that you used to watch and hate or um, oh man, anyone from, uh, in, from the early days of the Predators? I know that for the longest time, I really didn't like Chris Chelios and I really couldn't tell you why. I mean, I know that he got in, into it with some Predators every now and then, but then like, I don't know, I, 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 re- I looked back and I was like, I don't know why I didn't like him. It <laughs> didn't make any sense. I, I, I actually bring this question up because I, uh, I'm sure you've seen some of the stuff with Matthew Kachuk going after Zach Cassian and that whole cluster. Yeah. Matthew Kachuk seems to be sort of, I mean, he has more than embraced the role that he's sort of taken on in, in, in the league so far as being this, not only a very skilled player, he's very, very good, um, but just completely crossing all kinds of boundaries. I mean, there, there was, the, there's the, the one clip of him going after Zach Cassian where he is not even looking at the puck. The puck goes right by him. He's not even looking at the puck. He's just, he's just trying to run Cassian. And then Cassian goes after him because he's retaliating. He gets, a, he gets uh, suspended, but, or, or did he just pay a fine? I'm not sure what happened to him actually, but uh, Kachuk is one of those guys that like, I could see a lot of players and, and fans of course too, really hating for a long time. Tom Wilson fits the mold as well, though I think people don't feel as much threatened by Tom Wilson because he's just not as good of a hockey player. He's just more of a goon. Kachuk is a guy that not only will he probably score 30, 40 goals, he he's also going to try to destroy your players by yeah. throwing out some dangerous hits. Oh, and then there's Corey Perry. I mean, yeah, like Corey Perry, oh, Corey Perry yeah. anyone who plays for the Ducks pretty much – um, Todd Bertuzzi. Oh yeah, Todd Bertuzzi. Yeah. Go for one of the classics. Um, anyone who who ever fought Wade Belak. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry, I'm just always gonna like I'm yeah. always gonna be on Wade Belak's side. Uh, I think Corey Perry is probably a, a universal. I, think, I don't know anyone like who likes him except for like his teammates. You're like, I think the way he plays is appropriate. I'm like, shut up. Yeah, I know you don't. Yeah, Girl, exactly. But like, find the nest of filth you're building and crawl back into it. I mean, like, what did he do? Uh, what was it? 
two, three or four games you after. Need, who do you, which goaltender do you have in the head? Yeah, I can't I who, who was that? I can't either, but it was three or four games after serving the suspension for what he did to Brian Ellis. Did he get, did he get any, any supplemental discipline for that? I don't think so. That's that's but, a lot of crap. Yeah, so he Corey Perry is probably probably the best. I, th- I think if I was picking, I think that would be the one um, that I would go with. Okay, that's question one. That was a good that was a good first question. Yeah, getting me all angry and riled up. <laughs> all right, do you approve or disapprove of the Preds having a whiteout? So this is actually the question that I had regarding the, the jerseys. I, I saw some disagreement on the internet about you know whether or not they approved of the Preds having a whiteout, or maybe just that it wasn't executed well. But you're the resident hockey fashion expert here uh so i will i'm gonna go to you for the ultimate ruling can the preds do a white out is that a thing they can do yeah absolutely i mean it's it's a promotion it's fun i mean they have winter classic jerseys teams that are in the winter classic hold events after the North classic where they wear the jerseys again but they're not on the white like but i mean the white out is sort of as much as as much as as fans of like the winnipeg jets only to admit it Mm -hmm. They and, and they, I'm going to give them credit at the same time as saying you, get, you need to chill out. They sort of made the whiteout a thing, okay? Because that's I believe that's like a, originally a Jets thing because they like kind of the first Jets, yeah. yeah. Um, and now the the revival Jets right, right. as well. And like I mean, it it becomes a thing. Like yeah. you know, just because you start something, like people get excited and they want to enjoy it and it's fun. Like I'm not going to discourage teams and, and fans are doing things that are fun if everyone's have, enjoying it. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? Now, I'm also, like, a big fan of the idea of opening up and letting teams wear whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this day and age, you probably don't need to have the, the home and away rigor that exists. Um, but then again, I mean, I've also been living off of a diet of, of soccer where they – you know, it, it's just as long as you don't match, yeah. anyone can wear anything. I, mean, I think that's great. I would still love the Predators to have Navy homes and gold aways. Yeah. Or, like, I've seen some people suggest, like, well, the Predators can just wear gold everywhere. Don't, like, don't, most, don't most soccer teams, pardon my ignorance here, have, like, a different kit for every game? I mean, they have, um, they have three, a lot of these, this day and age, they either have two or more often three different uniforms. Okay. Um, and some, like, they wear different shorts mm-hmm. um, for certain things. Like, the, the big thing with, with Tottenham is that they wear white shorts when they're wearing white shirts in, in only in European competition. Oh. They only wear white shorts in Europe when they're wearing white shirts. Okay. Uh, so you have things like that. It's like Liverpool with the reds. I mean, they, they almost always wear the red, the red, red on red. Yeah, but I mean, Liverpool is always, I mean, they're just solid red. Like, yeah. you know, in, in domestic and league and everything, yeah. Tottenham always wears blue shorts with, so, with the white. But I don't know why they, like, yeah, have a white out. Wear the shirts. <laughs> do, like, do, just have some fun. It's what great. I think is, uh, maybe the, the biggest takeaway from that is that it's hard to do a white out. And if you don't do it well, and if the fans are not really familiar with that kind of thing, um, I mean, it seems simple, just wear white. But it's, I don't know, it has it has a certain feel. I mean, the, the arena looked very different than, uh, then it has, I mean, there was no yeah. gold. <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, and, and that's the, like, if you're trying to have a brand conversation, you're like, why would the Predators do a whiteout when they fought so hard to get people to wear the Nashville gold? I mean, you fought so hard to turn the, the, the arena from being navy blue into gold, and they're still fighting that battle. Why are you going to try and throw white belts under the mix? Like, <laughs> you know, it, it's something different. It's something, and that's, that's kind of the whole point, is that the white is something different because they're wearing special white jerseys at home. It's all in good fun, but I don't think anyone was hurt by it. 
My brothers actually won a game on Saturday. <laughs> I, I at, home, at home. I agree with you though. They look the the, the jerseys really do look great, and they uh, they should definitely bring those up, uh, back again at some point. The the Winter Classic jerseys. Okay, next question. Are you excited about the Never. about the about the NHL finally putting puck and player tracking in all NHL arenas by next year? This was announced at the All Star game yesterday. They did it at the All Star game. You saw some of the product of that. Um, are you excited about that? That the NHL is finally going to have uh, puck and player tracking? They kind of talked about it a little bit at the game. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the potential and about yeah, I'm excited about the potential. I don't really trust the NHL to do a good job with giving the information to people who want it and will use it. Because the, if there's one thing the NHL hates, it's when other people do cool stuff that they're not doing. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of people in the analytics community and, and, and data visualization because coming a bigger thing in the hockey community to make really like attractive, readable charts. And I just don't think the NHL wants that. So I'm, I'm not sure how much it's going to benefit us or how much is going to be like SAP 2.0 where like that whole though like the NHL analytics launched and they were just wrong yeah like the SAP stuff and now we have like the SAP analytics breakdown and it's like plus minus and I'm like man <laughs> this is not good for the SAP brand yeah I'm, I'm excited about it because uh, here's one reason I'm excited about it is that right now there's so many people who are going unpaid and who are just putting in putting in hours to do all this tracking for and, and with probably some errors in there because they're just doing it by by, by hand, by by eye. You know, they're just looking and, and marking when players leave the eyes. I mean, I've literally watched them do it in the in the press box. And it's this this is gonna be uh, supposedly much more accurate. It'll give all those people time to actually do stuff with the data instead of just collecting it. And I think that that's good, but I do, I kind of can't wait for the NHL.com website to try to manage all this yeah. and see how badly it is. Are you familiar at all with StatsBomb? No. So StatsBomb, uh, the way I'm familiar with it, it's, it's a website and, you know, Twitter account and stuff. Uh, when they do a lot of soccer analytics and, and they have these really cool, I can't remember the name of the charts, are they hex charts or something where, you know, it's like a spider, maybe a spider chart is the right name. I can't remember. It's like where you have multi multiple axes with different factors oh, yeah. around it, and, and the like and lines. Charts. Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be a horrible experience for people listening. Is I don't know what they're going to call, but they do because of how closely soccer players are tracked because they're all wearing like those like things that they are always wearing that look kind of like a sport bra. They have trackers in them and they monitor vitals. Yeah, the stats bomb. Yeah, there you go. So they have like trackers in them. And they monitor all the vitals. They, they you know exactly where the player is. You know where their movement is. You can heat map like each player individually. Uh, I, I, would, I can't wait until we can have yeah stuff like that, like what Stasong does for hockey players, because it's going to make player evaluation for just the average person or someone like me a lot quicker. Yeah. To say oh. Just overlay the two players on top of each other and compare them. You, like, you can do quick analyses a lot across a lot of factors and know where you need to dig in. So that first level of analysis, and maybe, and maybe easier. once the league embraces it fully and has the stuff available, GMs will start making better decisions with their contracts. Uh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Okay, so uh, that was uh, that was question three. All right, question four. It, and actually, I forgot. Question five is actually kind of a joke. But question four: If the Preds make the playoffs this year, which team among these 
do the Predators have the best chance to beat in a playoff round? Essentially, it's just all the teams who are in the playoffs ahead of them, but I'll go ahead and give you the list. Dallas, St. Louis, Colorado, so the three teams in the top of the Central, or Vancouver or Edmonton. Which of those teams could you see them actually beating in a playoff round? Dallas, St. Louis, Colorado, Vancouver, or Edmonton? I'm going to go with Dallas right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so the reason is, so I, I would either say, if, if, I, if I'm looking at these, I think Dallas and Edmonton were the two I had left. I kind of eliminated St. Louis, Colorado, and Vancouver. Um, the thing about, and this makes me nervous about Edmonton, is the amount of firepower they have. Yeah. So it essentially is just who can score the most goals, and I think Edmonton can just raw outscore the Predators, unless Pekka is playing at elite Vesna level, Pekka, you know, he does, that, play, at that level. he does play well in Edmonton. So, you know, it, it, he, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Pekka to be elite every single night. Whereas I think with, with Dallas, um, you don't have to worry about the scoring quite as much. Uh, they may give up fewer goals, but I, I think that it's a more manageable task for the Predators. I think it's clear that it's not St. Louis and Colorado because both those teams are way better at both ends, and especially St. Louis. I mean, they would get. I think the Predators would get, would get swept by St. Louis if they had to play them in the first round. There's no doubt about that. Vancouver, I'm actually a little unsure. I've not watched Vancouver enough. It feels like a little bit of smoke and mirrors, but they still have some really good players. The, the Pacific as normal is trash yeah. as they have been for, for a while now. So it's really hard to judge the Pacific until you play them, but they are kind of garbage. I mean, you look at the bottom teams. I mean, it's, it's California. They're like, they're in the, you know, the basement of uh, Anaheim the West. Yeah. So everyone's kind of picking on them and, and the, you know, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, they play them the most times a year. Yeah. So, yeah, I, if, um, of those five, I'd probably pick Vancouver or maybe Edmonton. I, I still think Dallas. I mean, you saw the Winter Classic. Like, I mean, that, when that team gets on a run, like they, they, it might as well be Colorado or Pittsburgh, or it, it might as well be a team that just constantly beats the Predators uh, out there. Mm. The last question, and this is kind of a joke. Uh, it is a joke. If the Preds miss the playoffs this year, will we see a drop in ticket prices for the Predators? Uh, no, ticket prices will go up. <laughs> they will they will go up for some reason uh, because they, they, there's they'll, they'll, the, well the situation has changed because I think there's a wait list for ticket season tickets now. Yeah, there are. So there is. There's there's going to be two things in mind. One, people are going to be like, oh, there's there's an opening now. Like I'm like I'm at the head of the line. I got to buy tickets, so I have them. Right. And other people are just going to keep saying like, oh, when the Preds are good again, I want to make sure I have my season tickets. So it's it's like the Toronto thing where, you know, maybe the arena will be half empty, but all the tickets are going to be sold. So they're going to be like, we're, we have another sellout. And like yeah. the arena is like three quarters full on a Saturday. Yeah. Like I think that's worst case scenario is that they had their their um, uh, concession sales drop because people are holding on to tickets and not necessarily going to games. Um, now, you can't maintain that for a long time in Nashville because they don't have that like generational buffer you have in Toronto. Um, right, but, right. Yeah, I mean, like people are going to have a short memory, especially if like, you know, the Titans come back and they're if the Titans are like a force again, um, if the MLS team catches the imagination, granted, they're they're overlapping seasons, but they're yeah. not, you know, running in parallel. You know, people may choose to spend their money there instead. Right. Uh, so I think there's going to be more competing priorities. So I, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I 
like I said, it was a, it was a joke. Obviously, the ticket prices will not go down. They will always go up because that's how that's how logic works. That's just how math is. <laughs> They're always going to go up. But uh, I do think that it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be tough to get a lot of people to commit. They're going to have to do some pretty um, mathematic gymnastics to get people to commit to those season tickets. I mean, they're going to have to make it like, you know, where you get a discount if you're basically committing to like four years because I, I, I know a lot of people. Well, I know I know at least two or three people who are longtime season ticket holders who are making those considerations and are like, this is not becoming something that I can financially afford anymore, yeah. or at least want to commit the, the, the resources to, to just, you know, being, is it worth it still? So, all right. Uh, that does it for the five on five. Uh, I got to say, uh, Link, Link, you crushed it. Yeah. You, you scored a goal and you got an assist on another goal during that uh, shift. You, you scored a goal. You stayed out there. You assisted another one. You get, you, you finished that five on five shift with two points. Uh, the other team is reeling. Um, they, they're about to call their timeout. And can I, can I like pick a fight with one of them and go for the Gordy Howe? That's like a bonus question. I can just like really see this through with. Well, we're about to, we're about to talk about the dumbest thing in hockey right now. So maybe uh, we could count that. <laughs> um, uh, I do want to say one nice thing about the Nashville Predators. I know that uh, this is something that uh, <laughs> we, we threw in last week. Uh, maybe we'll make it a recurring thing, but I really enjoyed that Roman Yossi was the only all-star for the Preds. I mean, first of all, because it's only he's the only one that deserves it. But I think it was the exact right amount of exposure that this team actually deserves right now. You know, like in the past, you've seen players make the all-star game like Pecorino in 2016 when it was here. Like he just like did not belong. He was having a terrible year that year. He was like he was really struggling. But I think there's literally no better representation of the 2019-20 Preds than Roman Yossi is our far and away best player. You don't even need to know who else is on our team because no one else even deserves it. Um, so I just thought that was great. I thought, I thought, I mean, he's just, he's a fantastic player. He's having a great season. Um, and I think he played, I, I don't, I didn't watch the whole Oscar game. I watched part of it. I didn't watch any of the skills competition. Um, but I don't know. That was, that's one nice thing that I have to say. Yeah. I'm going to follow up on that a little bit and, and keep on my Jersey streak uh, as well. So I will continue to give credit to the folks who made the decision to switch over to the, the bright, the yellow primary color jerseys. Okay. Uh, man, any environment, those stand out. In a, in a sea of like black and yeah. blue and red, no matter what, that yellow pops. That's there true. There is only one other team in the entire league who has, who really has like a visual difference, and that's the Flyers with the orange. Mm, yeah. Um, everyone else, it's like it's either a dark color or it's red. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so the Flyers can blend with the red, but the yellow blends in with nothing. You yeah, can always sure. find the natural Predator player in a sea of hockey jerseys. So, yeah, it, it stands out. So yeah. if your goal is, is – and I really think that's more – that's almost more important than, you know, perceived the fashion of the jersey, is it's it's an, it's become an iconic color for the team. Yeah. I, it, to such a degree that even, like, National SC has tried to rip it off in, in a hilarious fashion. Um, and even their whole thing is gold. This like, is going to be so fun watching you <laughs> talk about the MLS team because I know that you don't you don't care for them very much, and I think that's just hilarious. I never thought I'd, like, actively hate the team from my town, but I do. Uh, well, of course, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't 
perceived Nashville getting an MLS team. I thought they'd be can I, second tier for a while. If we keep this podcast going, which I hope we do, uh, can I start in, in, you know working in some like you know this week in in uh, in Nashville SC? Can I can I work that in and give you some updates so that you can keep up with the team? Well, I, I might because I may actually like watch the games because I like to watch MLS, uh-huh. but because I'm at a market, I have to like hope I can catch the Union games when they're on. Right. Uh, so maybe I'll watch more. Of the Nashville games, you know, I'm assuming that the the Philadelphia Union will come to Nashville to play. Well, they? they will they actually. So, um, because you, the uh, Nashville was for at least this year sorted into the Western Conference, it was actually kind of ambiguous because they may one they may not play, and if they do, they may have been playing in Philadelphia. So it was kind of uh, not sure, but they're playing uh, in May. Oh, cool! On a Wednesday night, which is weird. So you're gonna go, right? Uh, I'm hopefully gonna go. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm debating if I want to go to the opening game. Because I've got friends who are big Atlanta United supporters. Is that um, for the opening? They're playing open. Yeah, it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be terrible. Um, I, I for the national team, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm make. I'm going to make no friends among listeners saying like it's going to be like. But I also hate Atlanta. Oh, like, right. Well, because they're they're basically like they just launched in like one like they almost won then they won and then they yeah. almost won like they just they're like if the Vegas Golden Knights actually did win the cup their first year. Yeah, right? I mean Atlanta United is basically like. Manchester City, ah, that's a that's a bad except player. except at least Manchester City had history. Yeah, at least, well, they had a bad history, but then but at least they had yeah, history. Yeah, they, that's true. Yeah, they did. Um, okay, real quick, uh, the dumbest thing in hockey right now. I don't know if you have oh, something man. for this, but I have three. I'm still trying to pick between them. Okay. Well, I, I wonder if one of mine is going to be yours. Yeah, go for go first. Okay, so my dumbest thing in hockey right now is uh, this this lawsuit against uh, Gritty. Have you seen this? <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Oh, <laughs> okay. Here, well, I, I'm perfectly. It sounds like this. Okay, here's what happened. Allegedly, at a photo shoot, um, I think the, the 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 dad or something was upset about the photo, and as they left, the kid said something to Gritty, and then Gritty hit hit him in the back. The, the the claim is that Gritty ran up behind the kid and punched him in the back. Yeah, punched him in the back, and this is at a, at a photo shoot, and. So I, I don't know all the details of this, but if that's true, like mascots are not supposed to hit people. Don't hit people. Don't, yeah. don't ever hit people. Yeah. Um, now there is a counterclaim okay, so from Gritty's handler. Okay. Because every mascot has a handler just to keep them safe, basically, yeah. and manage crowds. Who said that um, the that, that Gritty had had complained at some point about. A young fan who was being aggressive with oh. him, maybe maybe being a little too firm with, with you know, it was actually like smacking him on the head or something. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, there, there's more to this. There's definitely more to this. Like I, when you hire someone to be a mascot, like they kind of know what they're getting into, and they probably are pretty well vetted. Like they've probably been with the organization for a while, especially Gritty's been around for, for a hot minute now. Yeah. Um, I'm very skeptical that like a mascot is like assaulted a 13 year old at the same time. It's not unheard of. That's also like, this is like, there has been mascot on fan violence. Yeah. Even the NHL. Like, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Colorado. There was a years ago. I think there was an in, incident of it. I'm trying to remember. Um, but I think there was an incident with T-Rack, the the Titans mascot, was a few years ago. Yeah. But I mean, so it's not unheard of. I'm skeptical, like I with anything. Yeah. 
Uh, well, yeah. I, again, I don't. Pretty dumb. I don't. Yeah, that's that's the dumbest thing to me. Is, is this lawsuit with gritty? So, what you got? Uh, so, and it's already over. But now that we know this fact, it 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 makes my brain hurt. That for the All Star Game, the Department of Player Safety decides who participates in All Star events, like the skills competition. I saw this all over Twitter. Really? I saw it all over Twitter. Weird. The skills competition, huh? Uh, and that just seems like I. Not to say that you can only do one thing, like there's only one thing you're in charge of, and you can't do other stuff. Like I don't want to, I don't want to like put that down. But you're not even good at your job. <laughs> you like, you're not even good at your job, and you're out here being like, I, I think, yeah. I think Roman Yossi needs to just do one event, or yeah. I think like you know. Why is there part of player safety? Yeah, it's like if you have, there's a guy at your office who can't even open Excel or do uh, or, or make a spreadsheet. Like putting at all. HR in charge of your marketing. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Like, you know what? We're going to put together the marketing campaign. We're going to have HR choose all the branding. It's like, <laughs> what? no. Wow. That actually happened. I mean, I, I mean, I know for a fact there's, there's more than a few HR people who don't even know how health insurance works, and they're in charge of selecting your health insurance you get to buy your job, and they yeah. don't even understand it. Yeah. So, like, you need people who are pros. I don't know if Department of Player Safety are set up to select players to be involved in entertainment, because it's, it's entertainment purely, mm. even more so than the hockey game. At least that's, like, the competition. This is just goofiness. <laughs> Um, all right, so that was, those are those are some pretty dumb things in hockey. We'll have, we'll have plenty more to talk about. That's the NHL. They, yeah. they are they are the the dumb gift that keeps on giving. It's why we love them. <laughs> games for the Predators. There are four in the next week or so. They play tomorrow night, Monday, on uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a home game. They go on the road at Washington and at New Jersey. Then they come home for the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday. So four games in this next week. Um, I, I, in, in my opinion, they have got to come away with at least six points out of this. I mean, I, I gave the numbers earlier. They have 35 games left. They need about 44, 45 points. They've got to get more points than they have games. So if they get around six, that's kind of on, at that pace. So yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they need it, for any stretch of four games, they need to win three of them. Yeah. Uh, they can't keep going 500 yeah. uh, or worse. They have to, and they have to put up points. Uh, fortunately, uh, not a huge trend, not too bad trends between Washington and, and New Jersey. I imagine they'll have a flight, which will help because I don't know if they want to do the drive because traffic is going to be real rough going between the two. So, yeah. you, you know, you're going to fly. Is that a back to back? Yeah, it's a back to back. So, okay. you know, they're going to have to get in the, get on a plane, get up there, get some rest. Hmm. Um, fortunately, they're both uh, a little bit later. They're 630 starts local time so a little extra half an hour if that yeah. makes any difference uh but yeah i think at least six points um if they can sweep the week i, I think you know you might see the dewy tears of hope in my eyes but i am <laughs> my, my right now my heart is cold and and, and dark mm. yeah as, as it is uh probably in a lot of smashville these last few weeks okay you can check out plenty of hockey coverage at a to Z sportsnatural.com. You can follow me on Twitter at AlexRD1. You can follow Link on Twitter at 3D Link. Episode 8 should be around February 9th, which is two weeks from today. Um, we'll start ramping up into the trade deadline and everything. We have lots to talk about. Um, and then uh, eventually, you know, towards the quote unquote playoff push, we might be able to do more frequent episodes. We'll see where the team is at at that point. But um, any last words before we uh, head out of here? Oh. 
I'm just, I'm still seeing like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to the future and seeing just the ghosts of sadness. Like, I just, I, I'm so low on faith with this team that I, I really want this week to spark some excitement. That's what I want. I want to see a little joy. What were they like eight and two um, in October? Energy. And it felt so, it yeah. felt so hopeful. I, I, wanted, I want that joy and energy, and I hope that's what we see coming out of the break. Um, a, a team mentally restored and being led by, by John Hines. Yeah, there you go. Mental restoration, the John Hines story. We will see everyone in a couple weeks.